Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Soon. This is the last episode of 2022, and the next time we speak, it'll be 2023. I know we did the New Year's episode last week. Um, that's because I always like to do you know, holiday and Sabbath episodes just a little bit in advance of the actual day, just in the event that there's a ritual or a spell that we talk about, maybe people want to try, just gives folks a little extra time to plan for it. So this is not a New Year's episode, but speaking of planning, I do have a lot of plans for this new year. I've got goals, I've got ideas, and it's all very exciting, and I'm very much looking forward to getting on with the business of manifesting those plans into reality. But I am not quite ready to close the book on this year. Not just yet. There are a lot of things that I'm grateful for and a lot of things that I manifested and this time last year. You know, last New Year's Eve, there was no website. Last New Year's Eve, there was no book. I have gotten to know so many witches as a result of this podcast and I've been able to connect and to expand. And, you know, no, this year has not been perfect, but it's been exactly what it needed to be. I've learned a lot of lessons and I've grown and even when it hurt, it was a gift. Now, if you're planning any kind of new year ritual this year, we are in an excellent moon phase for it. Uh, We've got the waxing moon in Aries on New Year's Eve, uh, followed by a waxing moon in Taurus on New Year's Day. And this is a very auspicious phase for manifestation because it's supported by fiery action of Aries and the intense discipline of Taurus. And that's going to help us to see those intentions through to their fulfillment. So good luck to us all. And speaking of luck, New Year's Day is a really good day for making a tribute to the deity Fortuna. She's the goddess of luck and fortune and fate, and it certainly can't hurt to get on Lady Luck's good side right before the beginning of a new year and right at the precipice of a year's worth of hopes and dreams and aspirations. And now before we begin our discussion about liminal spaces, which is the topic of the day, I would like to read a message, and this question was submitted on the website. This witch writes, love, love, love your podcast. I'm so glad to have found it. I've got questions about divination. I hope you have time to answer. I'm not so new to energy work or manifesting, but I'm fairly new to divination, and I was drawn to try a pendulum. There have been sessions with my pendulum that have been absolutely incredible, and yet sometimes it's almost as if the batteries ran out, and it either gives almost no answers or it starts answering with different movements than normal. I almost always cleanse it with incense smoke before I begin until it tells me it's cleansed, and then I calibrate it with my energy by holding it over my palm, but sometimes it just seems to stubbornly not want to talk with me. What's going on here and what are things I can try in these moments? Thank you. Well, I love working with a pendulum and I know exactly what this witch is talking about. Sometimes the juice just isn't there. Pendulum work is such a mental discipline because that's where the connection comes from. Our own mind and energy are the source and sometimes it just comes easier than others. 
but it's like working out any other muscle. It does get stronger over time. And cleansing is excellent and important, but sometimes it helps to charge it too. And the moon is a great source, of course, and so is the sun. And we can also store it with a bit of selenite when we're not using it to help it stay cleansed and charged. The pendulum has a mind of its own though, so if it just doesn't feel like talking, it just won't. And that's okay. That relationship also gets stronger the more we use it. Just keep at it and don't get frustrated when it doesn't come so easily. And this can be the case with any method of divination. You know, tarot cards, scrying, tea leaves, sometimes it works and sometimes it just doesn't. And when it doesn't, there's not really anything that we're going to be able to do in those moments to change it. So just walk away, take a day off, and try it again later. Like I said, it's a mental game as much as a metaphysical one. And if we're in a funk or a slump, we're just going to have to try again some other time. It's not failure. It doesn't mean that we're a crappy witch. That's just how it goes some days. So thank you for that question. And now let's talk about liminal spaces. Now this topic was suggested by a witch called Jay, and she's a dear friend, and it's the perfect thing to talk about at this time of year. We are all in the midst of a liminal space right now. The week between Christmas and the new year is kind of like no man's land, you know? We're all doing the bare minimum at work, the schools are all closed, the major holidays are over, the year is coming to a close, but the new year is still a few days away, and we're all just basically in a holding pattern. You know, we're kind of spinning our wheels until the world gets moving again. Now, the word liminal has become kind of a buzzword in recent years, but it essentially refers to being at or in the midst of a boundary or a threshold. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not really here anymore, but we're not really there yet either. And liminal spaces are found frequently in all kinds of fiction, legends, lore, stories. You know, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's the wardrobe. It's also platform nine and three quarters or Alice's looking glass or even the, um, uh, the red pill and the blue pill in The Matrix. All of those are elements of liminality and those kind of things feature very heavenly heavily in the transformation of the main characters you know those fictional characters have to move through these liminal transitions and emerge on the other side totally changed totally transformed there's no other way and the liminal space itself functions as a literary device it's symbolic of the transition that the main characters are making. And this is where fiction meets reality. We all undergo these transformative changes at different times and in different circumstances in our lives. We experience these transformations throughout our lives, even just as we age, you know, as we grow older, when we're moving through our adolescence. And then again, as we become young adults, and yet again, as we become middle-aged, and then if we're lucky, as we move through our croning, all of these changes of life occur in liminal spaces of time. So 
when we're, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, we're moving out of our childhood phase. And a lot of our childlike beliefs are challenged. We learn that, you know, Santa and the Easter Bunny aren't real. And suddenly our parents and the adults around us begin to expect a lot more of us. But we still like a lot of those things that we did when we were little. But we desperately want to be treated like we're not kids anymore. But we don't necessarily feel any older. And then again, you know, as we're like mm, 20 to 24 or so, we're moving through young adulthood. Maybe we're moving out of our parents' houses. Uh, Maybe we're going to college. We're getting a real job. We're finding love. We don't really know what we're doing. You know, we still feel like teenagers, but we want to be treated like adults, even though we're kind of afraid to be adults. I remember having that stark, cold realization that if I screw up in any kind of significant way, if we choose the wrong partner, if we fail that midterm, if we get too rowdy at the bar and start a fight that gets out of hand, some kind of mistake that would be minor as a teenager, as a young adult, that could define the rest of our lives. And then we move through middle age and we find that our priorities are very, very different to what they used to be. We start to worry a lot more about the future. You know, maybe we have kids of our own now, but maybe we're taking care of our parents. We've got to make the house payment. We've got to schedule that mammogram. We've got to buy life insurance. But the truth of the matter is that we don't really feel like we've got our shit any more figured out now than we did in our 20s. But now we're the grown-ups, And in each of these transitions, we find ourselves in liminal spaces. And it happens in other life moments too, you know, um, smaller, like less significant events, um, if we've ever been between jobs. And then you've got the more monumental life-defining moments like the birth or death of a loved one. Those are liminal times in our lives. We're not quite where we used to be anymore, but we're not quite where we're going to end up yet either. And in these spaces, there is significant magic. Nothing is set in stone yet, and so anything is possible. And we can channel the magic of liminal spaces by recognizing where to find it and understanding how we can use it. Now, one way that's relatively easy is to use the space between being asleep and being awake. And I know that I've mentioned a book before. It's called The Silva Mind Control Method. It's by Jose Silva. It's a very easy read. I recommend it for everyone. But this is a method that was developed by Jose Silva to help people in all kinds of ways. You know, maybe they want to break bad habits or develop ESP, learn to astral travel or whatever the case may be. And it's done in the liminal space between sleep and wakefulness. That space is called the Theta State of Consciousness. And if you're not interested in reading the book, you can find about a hundred guided meditations for taking yourself to Theta State and about a thousand online guides for learning to put yourself in the theta state. Um, In the astral travel episode, I talked at length about the method for doing this. I'm not going to belabor it here, but this is very much liminal magic. Um, Also, I did keep calling it alpha state in that episode, but that's because that's what happens when I rely only on my memory and I don't follow my notes. But rest assured, I meant to say theta state. But this is the state of consciousness where the mind can really expand 
areas of consciousness such as creativity, um, intuition, premonition, manifestation, they're really able to stretch their limits in theta state. And so being able to go into this level of consciousness at will is a really powerful tool. It does take a lot of practice and you're going to fall asleep over and over trying to get there, but it is absolutely worth the effort. That's the magic of a liminal space. But there are other kinds of magic that we can do in liminal spaces and not just in the metaphorical sense of liminal spaces, but in literal, actual doorways, entrances, thresholds, train stations, airports, hotels, crossroads, um, you know, highways, places like this that we find out in the world. We can go to these places to perform liminal magic. Liminal magic is magic that we can do to support ourselves when we are in any kind of a transition or when we want to initiate a transition or to transcend to the next level. So if we're trying to advance our careers or move into a new field, if we're thinking of pursuing a new hobby or learning a new skill, if we're furthering our education, um, if we're looking to start a new relationship or if we're trying to move an existing relationship into a different phase. If we're trying to release old patterns of behavior or establish newer, healthier patterns, if we're experiencing changes in our health, all of these issues can be supported by performing our magic in liminal spaces. But, you know, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that we can incorporate these existing physical liminal spaces into the execution of our spell work. So as an example, a few years back, I had to do a banishing. There was a person who needed to go away. And I got all of my elements together for a banishing spell. I had this individual's personal concern. If memory serves, I used their hair. And I had my black salt. I had banishing oil. I had cayenne and stinging nettle, nightshade, belladonna. And I put together my spell. I worked it during the waning moon. And then I buried it at a crossroads. Now, this may not have been strictly necessary to get a decent result, but it also imbued that work with the movement and the restlessness of a crossroads. I wanted this person to make moves and get the hell out of my life. And guess what? They pieced out in a very permanent way. They didn't, they didn't die. Not like that kind of permanence, but they are out of my life for good. And I was able to use liminal magic to expand the results that I wanted. And another aspect of liminal spaces that I think bears mention is that the fae are frequently found in liminal spaces, especially wilderness spaces and abandoned properties. So that's definitely something to A, keep in mind when you're performing work in these places because you might run up against these entities, so make sure that you're respectful of their space. And B, this is a great place to find some fae if that's what you're into. Um, I actually have a story. I can't remember if I've told it before, but one night several years ago, my oldest and I were walking the dogs together. It was like, I don't know, it's like warm nine o'clock or so on. It's a warm night. We took the boys out to this really big field. It's kind of nearby our house and we let them run around. And this was a routine of ours. We did this like several nights a week. 
we would walk them out to this field nearby, walk around the entire perimeter of the field. It's like several dozen acres. Then we leash them back up and walk them back home. And there's a feeling out in that field. It's hard to put into words. It's very open. It's very flat. Um, immediately to the west of the field, there's an aqueduct. It's running with water all year round. And then on the other side of that is an almond orchard. And this field is zoned for commercial use, but it hasn't been developed yet. So as far as being a liminal space, I mean, it hits every mark. It's waiting to be turned into a shitty strip mall, but we've been there seven years and they still haven't broken ground. So it's got coyotes and ground squirrels and garter snakes, the field mice. There are hawks and owls that nest nearby. There are a lot of wildflowers that grow in the spring. It's got flowing water and all of that sort of wildness. But it's on the verge of becoming something entirely other. And I tell you, as I live and breathe, there are fae there. So anyway, my daughter and I and our dogs were headed home one evening after a nice long walk and we're engrossed in a conversation and we leave this field and the next thing we know, we are like three city blocks down the road. And somehow, and it, honest to God, felt like it happened in an instant, we completely overshot the street that we should have turned on, the street that would have taken us home, and we ended up about another quarter mile further down the road in the wrong direction, and we had lost about 20 minutes. One minute we were walking, we were talking, we had the dogs on a leash, and suddenly we just stopped and looked around, and we were nowhere near where we needed to be, where we should have been. Honestly, it was like like waking up from sleepwalking or something. It was a very eerie feeling and we still talk about it sometimes neither of us has a goddamn clue what happened but i believe with all of my heart that we were diverted i think that this field is a liminal space that's jealously guarded by some fae and i think that for whatever reason we weren't wanted there that night but it's a good place for working magic my kids have done spells there it's a great place for divination or for using a ouija board for talking to spirits because it exists outside of boundaries. It's not a natural meadow, but it isn't a developed property either. It's not any one thing. And so it's able to be many things. And that's the essence of a liminal space. And that's why it's so conducive to magic. It allows for possibility, for magnification. It does not have limits, and so it does not impose limits. So if you're struggling with stagnance in your practice, if you feel like the work that you do at your altar or in your home isn't quite meeting your expectations, spend some time looking for a liminal space to perform that work, or at least to release that work. If you can't burn a spell at a crossroads or in a train station, maybe you can at least burn it at home and release the ashes in that liminal space. And I usually try to encourage people to do magic where they are and to keep things simple. And I stand by that. I think that we do tend to overcomplicate this work and become intimidated and frustrated. But I'm telling you, this is an easy way to get more mileage from the work that you're already doing. If you're not satisfied with your results, get a little creative. Break out of any rut that you may be in by finding some place that isn't encumbered by boundaries. Be respectful of these places, leave a small offering, 
but use these places to help your work. The energy of liminal spaces is so unrestricted and that energy is going to permeate your work. And that brings me back around to this time of year. We are in a liminal space. There are no limits right now to the work that we can do. There are no set parameters. And that is the last episode of this year. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming back every week. Thank you to everyone who has taken time to write to me. It's been an absolute honor to work with so many of you to find the right spell work or magical solutions. Thank you to everyone who has bought my book or posted a review. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast. I do consider you my coven and we are a powerful force of nature. So have a happy and safe New Year's Eve, and I'll see you next year. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.